Hey, hey, welcome aboard the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield. Joining me is co-host Ward Carroll, special guest from the Capital Gazette newspaper, Bill Wagner. So this is a podcast about Naval Academy sports for Navy sports fans. And Navy sports fans have to be very, very happy that there is more and more to talk about with each passing week. As Bill Wagner was telling me before we came on air, it, it is getting hot and heavy uh, for Naval Academy events, not only in the future, but in the past week. And we're here to break those down a little bit. Ward, I'll kick it over to you really quick. Not only did we beat Loyal on Sunday, but we also beat them on Saturday, 69 to 60. Women's lacks in just very temperate, warm weather. It looks like a gorgeous day in Annapolis out there at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. Uh, defeated George Mason 10-4. Also, hats off to men's and women's track and field who won the Army Star Meet up at West Point. And then also a shout out to Water Polo for defeating the George Washington Colonials on Friday, 8-2. to two. And as we will discuss with Coach Colat in our next segment, wrestling earning the N-Star at Arm 20-13. to 13. So as I started it off, Ward, first of all, I'd like your take on the women's basketball games over the weekend and then what you observed with women's lacrosse and whether that was actually the worst weather you have ever witnessed for a lacrosse game over to you. So I wasn't physically at the women's basketball game. I was monitoring it via Scott's live tweets primarily. Um, I know it was a nail biter at the end there. So a very, very good job. A lot of, a lot of heart, as we know, uh, coach Taylor, has instilled already in the team and and we're looking forward to the N-Star game this coming weekend. Like you said in teed up, we have an action-packed day Saturday particularly, women's N-Star against Army and then women's lacrosse and men's lacrosse home opener. So Wags and I were at the stadium for Saturday's home opener against George Mason. It was without any question the worst weather and I've been at some bad lacrosse weather over the years, that was the worst, uh, you know, sort of pelting, freezing rain. Um, and when Wags and I were doing our, uh, our, our mini hits, and we entreat the listeners of the podcast to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, because you'll get teasers, uh, minute-long snippets before, during, and after the game uh, when we're physically there. We almost slipped off the ledge there uh, at halftime because it was a sheet of ice. Uh, that would have been ugly had we tumbled, uh, you know, all those stories down. It would have been a pretty interesting video, of course. But yeah, it was ridiculous. And I'll, I'll let Wags go into the details. But I, I know the player that he interviewed after the game mentioned that her stick felt like a tennis racket. And so we were talking about how many drop balls and how many changes of possession there were on both sides, more with George Mason than with Navy, but a lot. And, and so she was like, dude, you don't even know, <laughs> you know, try cradling with a female lacrosse stick that's already has no pocket. And now it's frozen like, and, and behaving like a tennis racket. So with that in mind, they did a fantastic job. And, and, and we were very pleased uh, to see coach Tim Schultz, uh, hopes come true because we've talked to her and she's one of 
uh, become one of our favorite guests here on the show. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was just, it was great and a, a decisive, decisive victory in very, very challenging conditions. So they're off to a good start. Over to you, Wags. Yeah, well, I'll give a quick summary of my thoughts on the weekend. First of all, we'll stick with women's cross. We all wondered who was going to kind of step into the go-to goal scorer role with Kelly Larkin graduating. Also, Navy lost Kayla Harris and uh, Annalise Hayward, two very uh, productive midfielders. So there was some questions about where the scoring would come from. And Nicole Victory, the senior attacker, showed she's going to be the player that operates behind the net kind of quarterbacking the offense and uh, stepping in and scoring goals. She had four goals to lead the way. Ellie Lecker, another attacker, had two goals. And then uh, Ward mentioned who I interviewed after the game. That would be Reagan Roloffs, who is um, a dominant draw specialist. She won 10 draws herself. Navy dominated the draws to the tune of 13 to 2, which was crucial for controlling possession. And then Reagan also scored two goals and had an assist. So she was named player of the game by the Navy staff. And, and Reagan was the one that kind of told us how tough it is because as Ward mentioned, women's cross sticks are not allowed to have pockets like the men's stick. So it's very difficult to cradle, catch, etc. cetera. Um, then you add in that they get wet and freeze because it was freezing rain. And I, I indicated to Ward, I spotted the Navy offensive players running over to the sideline and handing their sticks to managers which were they then warmed in front of this big blow heater that was on the sideline just to try to get the sticks to operate properly. So it was it was crazy, no doubt. Um, Navy could have probably scored 16 goals in that game with the amount of possession Navy had. They didn't fare well on their three uh, position shots. They had one extra player opportunity and did not execute well on that. So uh, it was a good win for Navy, and I expect Navy to be better in better conditions. On to women's basketball, which had been sidelined for two weekends because of COVID, uh, came back strong, beating Loyola up in Baltimore on Saturday, then coming back and winning again on Sunday. And those two victories are crucial for Navy women's basketball, which starting this weekend, Navy women's basketball had only played four Patriot League games in over a month. And because uh, so many cancellations, postponements, but with those two wins, Navy's now four and two overall in the Patriot League and three and one in the South Division, which is crucial because the South Division champion is automatic top three seed in Patriot League tournament, which means you have a home game. So really, the South Division is now coming down to next Wednesday a makeup game between Navy and American. I believe Navy hosts that game. I'll have to double check. Um, it actually may be American. I'll, I'll double check. But either way, Navy plays American, and that's going to be the decider because both Navy and American are three and one in the South Division, and that's going to be the tiebreaker. So next Wednesday's game is huge on determining. Chris, do you have that for us as to where that game is? Yeah, it's at American. Uh, 6 p.m. Wednesday, February 24th at American. Right. And that's an odd thing because uh, we're, basketball was not supposed to play during the midweek. But because Navy has had so many games postponed, they're having to play two midweek games. They're playing this Wednesday against Lafayette and they're playing next Wednesday at American. But that, that game next Wednesday is going to decide the South Division champ. 
And then, of course, you know, obviously we'll talk later in the outro about um, Army, Navy this weekend. But uh, and then Navy men's basketball was idle this week because they continue to be COVID sidelined. And uh, Navy comes back this weekend. We'll talk about that in the outro, outro as well, Navy men's basketball. But one more thing I was going to mention, John, you did kind of the wrap on last weekend. But let's not forget about gymnastics. Um, gymnastics won the all Academy championship. Um, I believe that's the, uh, second year in a third straight, third straight, all Academy championship for Navy gymnastics. Um, David Toussaint, Ryan McVeigh, Travis Keller, and Giovanni Gambattisi. I don't know if I got that right. Uh, Giovanni, uh, they Giambattese. all, yes, they, thank you for the Italian <laughs> pronunciation, but, uh, they all had individual wins, uh, event wins. So shout out to Navy gymnastics as well. So you stole my, you stole my gusto there, uh, Wags. I was going to ask you two follow-up questions and then really talk about Kip's, um, you know, it, it, Kip has been working hard to get Navy, you know, to get them on the mat, to get them into these meets, uh, for gymnastics. So, so great to see them win, but how impressed have you been, uh, with women's basketball, you know, Jennifer Coleman, just, just double doubling out there. And then Colby green, after being away from the program, coming back the, the last win, 13 points, eight bounds and three assists. Uh, I'll tell you what, I, I think I think the future is pretty bright with those two juniors uh, if we get them back senior year, right? Absolutely, John. You said it. De Jennifer Coleman is a double-double machine. I mean, she's had a double-double in all but one game this season. She just, she is, uh, Coach Taylor said after the game, she is Dennis Rodman-esque when it comes to tracking the basketball coming off the backboard and, and you see it in the game. She just comes flying out of the backcourt to the basket and snags these. Now, you know, she can jump, she gets up and uh, that's the key. She's, she's got hops, but uh, yeah, Jennifer Coleman, she could be the best basketball player in the Patriot league. I mean, she, she can do it all. She can score. She can pass. She can rebound. She gets steals. Um, she is a tremendous player. And that's what Coach Taylor and I spoke during the week. And Navy women's basketball actually has the parts for a pretty good squad if they can ever get them together. That's the point. They've never had the full team available. But, you know, Colby Green can shoot it from range. Her three three-pointers on Sunday really sparked the turnaround for Navy to kind of take control of the game. Um, she's a nice player. Sophie Gatsunas is a nice player. Lindsay Llewellyn has a ability. She's kind of a role player, but has nice contributions. Um, then they've got some young freshmen that have some talent. So when he has his entire roster available, he's got some nice options. Uh, you know, I, I don't sleep on Navy women's basketball. They could make some noise. And Coach Taylor reminded me this week, Navy was picked last, dead last in the Patriot League. And he said uh, that we are determined to not let that happen. Well, right now, Navy's looking like it's going to get a top three seed in the Patriot League tournament and host a uh, home game. Yeah, that's utterly huge. And, and coming off of those wins to then have the Army star game on the horizon, you know, the alligator closest to the boat, you just have to really like the, uh, really like the, uh, momentum that they have. Um, you mentioned the freshmen, obviously, you know, coaches getting contributions all over the place. 
for gymnastics, you know, wags you busy, busy time ahead for gymnastics. Saturday's event um, in the all academy meet, you know, is, is just the beginning of a very busy stretch over the next seven weeks. And we talk about COVID all the time. And I'm so happy that we don't, we don't have to talk about it as much anymore. And we're not going to, but let's just hope that that this is a harbinger of things to come that because it is it is really just fun to watch and and we're looking forward to weeks ahead not just for us but for the athletes and the coaches so we will break that down more with two coaches coming up both carrie colat and paul costopoulos so stick with us we're going to go to break this is sing second sports the sing second sports podcast is brought to you by mills fine wine and spirits and academy consulting if you're interested in sponsoring Sing Second Sports, please drop us a DM at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second on Twitter. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, hey, welcome back to Sing Second Sports. Great conversation there in the open. We are so happy to be joined by Navy wrestling coach Terry Colat, just winning the first N-star of, of his career and the first one in a while for Navy wrestling. Coach Colat, thank you so much for joining the team. How's everything going? It's good. Glad to uh, be here. Appreciate you all having me on. Um, team's going, doing well. Um, just, you know, finished the, the duel with Army and now we're getting ready for conference. So the last time we talked to you, and this seems to be a recurring theme with uh, coaches and players, you know, we, we talked to you at the very beginning of, of your time with the program, the very beginning or at least uh, opening stanzas of the uh, COVID pandemic. As it's evolved, obviously your squad has evolved. You know, the last time we talked to you, we, there wasn't really much to talk about other than, you know, what your plans were in order to, you know, in, inject your philosophy onto the team. How is it going so far? Um, have there been unforeseen challenges and have there been pleasant surprises with wrestlers on your squad? Yeah, you, the biggest thing, we've had so many um, interruptions. Uh, for us, the biggest thing as a, as a new staff coming in, um, you know, our, our, our first thing was we didn't really get hands on the, our, our team until December. And that's when we moved into the process where all the coaches are being tested and then the athletes are being tested three times a week. So we were allowed to finally put hands on, on guys and actually, you know, physically touch them and wrestle with them and, you know, coach them the way we're used to coaching that every wrestling coach is used to doing. And then obviously we had their interruptions as the year went on with, you know, every now and then there would be an occasional quarantine because of, uh, you know, the Naval Academy would call a lockdown or, or guys would get back. Um, overall, we've, we've been pretty fortunate. We didn't really have the only duel that we had that was an interruption into the wrestling for the amount of matches I wanted to get the guys moving into conference with, with such a short team as American. Um, we were able to replace that with George Mason. That's the only interruption we saw. We've only had we've had two uh, COVID positive tests in our, our, our team and they, they've recovered from it. Um, so we've been fortunate and lucky, um, but it's tough. Yeah. And that part, like for me, the biggest thing, I really like these firsties that we have on the team and I enjoy their company. You know, we've got a couple bus rides in with them. You know, the jokes happen among staff and among athletes and you start to build that bond and, and they start to respond for you. But it's, it, it's just kind of bad that it's such a quick season for them. Last question for me before I kick it to Wags. Has there been anything that surprised you about the Naval Academy culture? Not that you came in completely green or now that you're a part of the family, now that you're now that you're in Ricketts, although not 
maybe physically in Ricketts as, as much as you'd like to be. You know, what what is what has impressed you from from the service academy standpoint? Um, and how have you used the culture that you see there and and all the pushes and pulls that are on your athletes to adjust your style? Or is it just, hey, my style is my style and this is what we're gonna do? Coaching wise, we've adjusted uh, just a, a little bit on on the time management for them. Um, but probably the biggest thing about the culture that's impressed me, which I knew coming in, but experiencing it is a little different is, uh, the team aspect. I mean, they really get the team aspect here. I mean, if you tell a guy, Hey, I need you to be ready to go on this date. Uh, they step up to the plate and they're ready, you know, and and in any other place you might wrestling can, it's an individual sport that, that folds into a team sport. Um, and when you have an individual sport, sometimes you can get a, um, you can get some, some selfish athletes, and um, these guys, you know, they're selfish when it comes to taking care of themselves. But when you, you need them to step up and do something, they're, they're team players all around. So I knew that coming in, but actually being on a team that really operates that way is, is different. So it's, it's a unique experience. Wax? Hey, Coach, let's get to the Army-Navy match. Uh, first question, what was your impressions of your first Army-Navy match held at Crystal Arena up in West Point? Yeah, like I said, when we were coming back on the bus, there weren't that many fans, but you felt the energy and the the rivalry in that gym with just a, a small amount. Um, so I'm excited for next year when we actually could hopefully put fans and pack the arenas uh, when we compete. Um, you know, you got to be ready to compete in, in that rivalry. Um, I think we saw a little bit of travel. I think we saw maybe a little bit of nerves in, on a couple guys. Um, you know, but overall we, we, we did our job and did what we, we needed to do. They tried to, you know, shift the lineup a little bit on us. Um, but our guys perform well with the travel and, and the lack of travel, you know, that's the only, only meet that we did overnight in a bus and you got weight management and time management. Um, so you didn't have a whole season to get those adjustments. So obviously the storyline going into this is that army had won four in a row. First time in the history of the series that it had happened. Uh, for those who are unaware, the series is the Navy's dominated. With this win this past weekend, Navy now leads Army 50 to 10 and 5. Um, obviously, four of 10 losses came consecutively here recently, um, but it's been a, you know, Navy's dominated this. Now, I'm going to guess that for a large part of that series, Army wasn't very good in wrestling. And I want to give Kevin Ward a lot of credit. He has raised the bar for Army wrestling and taking it to Navy. Uh, so coming in here, I know Chuck Gladchuck, the athletic director, was none too pleased with this sudden turnaround in this series. Coming in here, was it a mandate, beat Army? Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> you know, Chet and I sat down and he asked me my, my uh, goals for the team. And, you know, obviously I talked about Army, but I talked about on a national level and an individual level where, where Navy should be. And I think in the end of the conversation, you know, his, his words, that's all great, but beat army, <laughs> you know? And so, uh, so I got it. Um, I understood it. And, uh, you know, my phone was blown up a after the duel. Um, you know, my mind right now is spinning into next year, you know, who we're losing, where we're going to have to replace, where we're going to have to be stronger with what, you know, what they have coming into their lineup. And you're right. You know, army's army's better, you know, look, army, well, you know, from my years of competing, we never talked about army wrestling. We talked about Navy wrestling, but we never talked about army wrestling. Um, Kevin's done a good job of, of building that program up. And so it's, it's a different program than it was years ago. Um, which is why you see that, you know, 50 wins and, and, and 10 losses. Um, but you're always, we're going to have to be ready for them, you know, every year. So let's talk about how the match progressed real quickly and maybe some key victories for Navy, obviously schedule, uh, who's ranked 12th nationally, Tanner schedule, 165 pounder. He pounded Will Lucy 
a major decision. That was a great start, a big win, a four-point win. Were there other matches? What did you consider perhaps toss-up matches that needed to go Navy's way? And I know one that you probably thought you were going to win and lost was 197, where 18th-ranked Jacob Kozer was beaten by JT Brown, a real tough battle. But uh, that was probably a match the Navy was chalking up points for Navy and didn't get them. But what were some of the matches you thought proved crucial to the victory? Heavyweight um, proved uh, crucial. I think 25. I mean, a lot of those matches were on, you know, you, you go in as a coach. I never look at the, the uh, where we're favored on paper. I never see it that way. You know, we're trying to tighten up. I think 97 was a chance where army could have gotten some moment, uh, momentum, but had, had we dropped that heavyweight match and they would have won two in a row. Um, when you're in a duel and, and you got momentum going, that that's that's a tough hole to come out of. Um, so these guys did a good job. Even when we dropped the match, the next match we got right back into it. 97 stung. Um, you know, Jacob kind of lost his head out there a little bit and, and forgot wrestling. And and um, he should have been – he let his emotions get in the match. Um, you know, Birchmeyer started to do that a little bit, let his emotions get in the match, and then he tightened it up and got us back on a roll. Um, but getting those those first two in a row. So I would say one, you know, heavyweight and 125, getting two in a row right there uh, really helped us, you know. And and then um, Jacob Allen was in his match. You know, he was all, all, all over that guy um, until mid-match. <clears throat> he gave up a takedown and, you know, I saw him mentally just kind of blow up a little bit. And then obviously you got Cody, who's always going to be consistent. Um, and, and Cody came in and did his thing. Um, 49, we, we thought would, would be a toss up. We thought we, you know, we had a plan for him. Um, I thought we wrestled him really well. I think, I think going into conference, I think now that Casey Cobb has touched him and wrestled him, um, I think we can, we can flip that, you know, and, and at the conference meet. Um, and then we finished with Cerniglia, you know, and, and I felt good about, you know, uh, Andrew coming in. I know a lot of people talk about him being a plebe or a freshman, um, but that kid's wrestled all over the country and wrestled in, in probably the best state in the country. And so he was ready to go. Um, and they flipped. They wanted to flip. They wanted to start at 65. And I think, you know, the idea was to try to um, start out there and get some momentum and try to, you know, try to lock the duel up before 57 or at least have an idea what they have to do out there. Um, but I, you know, Andrew was was solid, rock solid. So before I turn it over to Ward for a few questions, I'll just summarize. Uh, after number 18th ranked Jacob Kozer lost at 197, uh, Navy came back at 285, the heavyweight match. John Birchmere beat Bobby Heald 6-4, close match, and that did get a little testy. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Logan Treister beat Ryan Chauvin 6-2, another close decision, and that kind of got things going Navy's way. Andrew Seneglia, who is a plebe, uh, he clinched the match with a 14-3 major at 157. Ward, I'll let you jump in and ask Coach a few questions. Hey, Coach. Uh, so I'm going to pull up from Wags's 500 feet to about 30,000 feet here okay. and talk about where is collegiate wrestling. So, in fact, Wags and I were at the Navy women's lacrosse game on, on Saturday, and we were talking about uh, this interview, and I was reminiscing about the Coach Peary days um, and, and, you know, my time as a mid where – wrestling was part of the PE curriculum. Um, and so I'm wondering since those days of yore, where has the sport come gone? Is it still the same fundamentals, you know, neck bridges and everything else, or has technology and nutrition fitness sort of created a different focus than maybe what I was 
familiar with back in, in the, the 80s? Yeah, I think what, uh, what we stress with our guys, we try to get them out of the box. You know, I, I, I don't know if you wrestled at all, but, you know, when I started wrestling, it was head up, elbows in, feet square, you know, don't, you know, don't change your lead leg. Um, that, that doesn't apply anymore. You know, wrestling, I always say is I, I try to tell the guys it's controlled chaos. And some guys are going to be really good in unorthodox positions where uh, a fundamentally sound coach who's in a box might try to, you know, get them out of that position thinking it's risky. But when the kid's actually really good there. And so, yeah, technology has played a part. You can see good wrestling from around the world at any time. You know, you jump on YouTube or jump on Flow Wrestling. So these guys are learning there. Um, you know, we're, we're taking them out of a box in there. And then our conference in general, our conference in general has had some really good kids. You know, uh, when I competed, we never talked about the Ivy Leagues. It wasn't even a conversation. It's like we said, we didn't even talk about Army. Um, and now all of a sudden you have the Ivy Leagues who have invested in their wrestling programs and, um, you know, they've jumped. So we've, we've got arguably one of the strongest conferences in the country with some of the best wrestlers in the country with a couple who could be some of the best wrestlers in the world. And, um, you know, so it has changed drastically from, from those days. So now John asked a lot of questions about the COVID environment. Um, let me ask how COVID has affected your recruiting class. I, I imagine some high schools are not doing wrestling um, or prep schools as well. So is that mitigating what you'd normally do to find uh, the next crop of uh, talented wrestlers for Navy? No, not, not right now. There might've been some kids, you know, you always have the kid, you say, you look for that guy under the rock that nobody's paying attention to. So those kids are the ones who got hurt, you know, they're, they're out there, but we had a, we had a list of guys that we were on when we got here. Um, and when I first got here, I thought it was going to be really tough getting a kid to commit to the Naval Academy without even being able to walk the yard and get to, to sit down in front of the staff physically. Um, but I feel good about the class that we have, we have coming. Some are going to go to nap. Some are going to come direct. Um, and then hopefully next year we have a season, we get to keep, you know, put eyeballs on guys again, but there have been some tournaments around the country. There has been some wrestling happening and we've been able to watch that stuff through streaming networks. And that's what everybody's doing is obviously streaming it. So coaches can see people, but there's definitely some under the radar kids who, who got hurt because of COVID, you know, and could have probably had great careers, but we just don't know who they are right now. All right. Well, coach, uh, thank you so much. Before I let you go, the last time we talked to you, um, you know, we asked you to make a prediction. If you ever had to you know, get on the mat with Jay Antonelli, you made a very <laughs> bold prediction that you would just stomp him. I, I wonder if you ever got a reaction from Jay. I certainly hope he listens to the pod. And do you still stand by that prediction? Yes, I definitely stand by that. prediction. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I don't know if he, he never brought it up. So he must have missed the, uh, the interview. Uh, no good. No good at all. Well, hey, um, I'm going to uh, send it over to Wags for one last question, but the best of health to you. And uh, and we're really rooting for the for the team. It, it's obvious that that your culture and, and your work ethic is being imbued upon them. And it's just it's so awesome to be able to say sing second uh, with regard to Navy wrestling, particularly when you beat Army. So thank you so much from me. Wags, take it away. Well, just real quick, want to look ahead, Coach. Next up on the docket is EIWA Championship Day, which is important for getting wrestlers seated for the NCAA tournament, which is the ultimate goal. Um, when will you find learn the seeds for the EIWA championships? And can we expect the Navy will have several one, two, or three seeds at EIWA? Yeah, we should have. There's a few weights. We should be one, two, or three. Um, seating is crazy this year. There's there's a committee that's actually doing it for the EIWA. They've done it for the last couple of years. Um, and we've had several coaches meetings. We meet every Monday as as head coaches in the EIWA with the teams that are competing. And 
So we had to come up with a little bit of a different criteria this year and that committee will go and review it. It's tough because um, I mean, we only wrestled Lehigh and army this year that are within our conference and everybody else who wrestled was outside of our conference. So you're trying to do this. So-and-so beat so-and-so and he beat him and, you know, and, and they're trying to come up with some kind of seating that way. So I think Friday I submit my, uh, my official roster. Um, and then Monday I'll see some seating and, and Monday as a, as a coaching staff and, and with the other head coaches, we'll sit down and, and, you know, we'll argue our points if we feel a guy is not seated correctly. Um, and then I think, um, I think Thursday, I think you'll have the official seeds out. It could be earlier. All right. Thanks a lot. appreciate you being on with us, coach. Yeah. Thank you all. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was coach Kerry Colat of Navy wrestling. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to switch to baseball. I'll talk to coach Costa Kopoulos. Stick with us. This is sing second sports. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond. Now back to the pod. Hey, hey, welcome back. Um, awesome conversation with Coach Colat. Um, obviously, his you know his style and his work ethic is translated over to his wrestlers, and we and we certainly congratulate them for for getting the end star and wish them good luck going forward. Another sport that is about to start, although you wouldn't really think it in that we're about to get five to eight inches of snow in the Annapolis area, but here we are at the cusp of the baseball season starting again. And who better to talk about that baseball season than Coach Costa Kopoulos. Costi, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back to the pod. What are your impressions as the season is about to begin? And what do you think the season will look like in that the last time we saw baseball, it, it was in you know the major league setting and obviously a very strange environment with no fans um, other than in the World Series a little bit. What are you hearing in terms of fans and what precautions do you have to take with these athletes in this COVID environment going forward? Thank you so much for having me. Um, the uh, A couple of things. One is we are going to have fans. Um, I think we have designated 25% of uh, the capacity at Bishop uh, Stadium to be our benchmark in the, I guess you'd call them the blue seats. So um, that looks like we're, we're looking at about 250 fans. That's what we've talked about um, to be able to come. Um, you know, so I think that part of it is going to be refreshing that we're going to see faces in the stands again, you know, certainly family and friends and, and, and parents. And, and so I think that's a very good, uh, a sign, um, you know, the environment is, is, is such, um, that, um, we're, we're excited. I think, um, uh, you may have mentioned a little bit as I heard, uh, previously on the show, we've talked a lot about COVID and how it has affected our lives and in and, and, and each and every person, of course. Um, and, and now, you know, we're trying to focus on playing baseball and, and doing what we can enjoy, as all our athletes are. I didn't mean that just in baseball, but, you know, really trying to focus on that and bring, uh, um, you know, a positive approach to, to stuff that we, we love to do. Um, you know, one of the refreshing things that I've found, uh, you know, I was talking to Bill uh, yesterday, is that, 
we don't sweat the small stuff anymore. It's amazing how things used to knock us off our rails, whether that be coaches or midshipmen or athletes in general. Um, those have become, um, for lack of a better term, blips in our screen. And we just move forward and, 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 and uh, you know, want to create that opportunity of playing. So uh, I think that's the way we're going to go. And I think that's the way all our athletes and our administration uh, at the academy, I think that's what we're adopted and that's what we're going to do. So last question for me before I kick it over to uh, Ward um, for the next question. I, I, you know, one of my neighbors and, and good friends is Bobby Applegate. And, and he, of course, as the pitching coach, is going to uh, talk about the greatness of, of the pitching. And you've had great pitchers, you know, Noah, Gillingham. What, what do you think the strength of this team is going to be? Is it more on the mound? Is it more at the plate? Or do you really have a, a, a very exciting mixture of both? No, I, I think we do. I think the, the strength in any, uh, on any baseball team, guys, has to be pitching. It, it's never not. If it's not a strength, you're going to be pushing the rock uphill all year. Um, and I think, you know, we, you have to operate with a strength in pitching. It has to be complemented with players that can make plays and, and play defense. Um, and, you know, obviously it has to be complemented with, with some offense. So you, you need a complete um, makeup, if you will, of a team to be successful, but it always starts with pitching. And, you know, uh, fortunately uh, I feel we've had some pretty good pitching in the last few years and, and we've been able to use the old axiom that pitching wins. And, and, and that's what we've been trying to do. Um, again, the last few years, we've had good starters, but we've also had good relievers. They quietly do the job, you know, in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning. Um, you know, we've done a very good job on the back end developing, um, coach has developed a closer each and every year. We've felt like we've had somebody we could go to in that last inning and be successful with. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what our record is, honestly, but we have a really, really good record from the sixth inning on of winning baseball games. And uh, that, that shows to your, your bullpen. So um, I do, like I said, we do have some really good pitching. Uh, we hope that that can continue. We have some older guys this year that have some experience, um, albeit that they didn't have as much experience as last year, um, but we, we do have that. Hey, hey coach, uh, John just mentioned – Noah, I don't know if you're in close comms with him or not. Peter Gammon just did a profile on him uh, that sort of laid out his circumstance uh, pretty comprehensively. Uh, what do we know about how he's doing in flight school and, and how viable is his baseball future? He's still technically in the, uh, the Red Sox system, I think. And, and so how, what's going on with all of that? Ward, talent is always viable. Talent never loses its vitality, um, and he's got it. Um, I don't know uh, too many of the particulars from a standpoint of, you know, logistical stuff right now, um, but I, I still would go back to that, that, that he is a professional prospect, and the Red Sox and the, the major league teams in general, they know that, you know, they know it, and, um, again, you don't just – stumble across that each and every year so i think there's that there's still room to make all this stuff work out like i said on the um more on the i think being honest word on the military side i'm not quite he's doing fine of course but i'm not quite sure how that's all working out right now um 
but I think they're gonna, I think he's got talent and I, I just don't think they're going to turn a blind eye to him. I, I love hearing that. Cause I think, you know, in some ways, uh, I don't, he was, uh, ill-advised not by you, by, but by, by uh, some of our friends in the, in the military side. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I'm familiar with being a, a, a naval flight officer and, and how that's going to go, but I don't throw a 105-mile-an-hour fastball, um, you know, and, and I also went Tomcats and not P8, so, um, you know, I'll get a parochial on it here. Um, so Ward's fastball right. was only 104. <laughs> yeah, and then I lost it after my first squadron tour, and, you know, the Washington Senators didn't want me anymore. Um, so, uh, in any case... Uh, you know, this, as you said, once in a generation type of talent, uh, once in a millennia type of talent coming out of Navy. Uh, so I'd hate to lose that that whole potential impact uh, around a matrix that was ill-conceived. Uh, and, and I'll just leave it at that. So I hope you're right. Wags, over to you. Well, let's talk about this year's team, Coach. Uh, you and I, for full disclosure, Costi and I were on the phone for an hour yesterday working on the baseball preview that I'll be writing this week. So I've got a little bit of a head start on the rest of uh, the world on Navy baseball. But one of the things Kosti and I talked about, Navy's the preseason favorite to win the Patriot League uh, in a season that where we're coming off no Patriot League games at all. So really nobody knows anything about Patriot League baseball, who's good, who's not. But one thing that struck me is that uh, while Navy's pitching is very strong and, and, and experienced and deep, the staff, there, there are question marks. Navy infield has been wiped out. Second baseman Zach Biggers, shortstop Michael Koritz, and uh, third baseman Jacob Williamson all graduated. Uh, as did uh, what is it, which Lowry is it? Evan Lowry? Evan. Yeah. yeah, I get the Lowry's confused, but the left fielder is another solid player who graduated. So it's not like you don't have holes to fill. And when three of those holes are second through third base, that's concerning. So why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, your thoughts on the team? I mean, you, you know, you, you mentioned to me that for Navy to be picked preseason favorite, you, you don't put a lot of stock in. No, you know, I think, um, you know, the preseason thing is just um, uh, it, it, it doesn't have a lot of um, credibility this year because there's no season. I mean, we literally have people on the first team preseason that had 50 at bats last year. So I, I don't, put a whole lot into that um we are not familiar with each other from a standpoint in the league of even playing each other so i'm just going to leave it at that um you know as far as what that that means um but i think the more important discussion point is what do you do with your when you lose a four-year starter at second a three-year starter uh short a four-year starter at third and a three-year starter in left you know what what do you do in in that you know, how do you, you approach that? And, and um, you know, we'd like to think as coaches that stuff doesn't sneak up on you, meaning you, you've prepared for it with, you know, some recruiting, you've, you've done some your due diligence. Um, but having said that, it always does because experience is a factor in that. Um, you can't get experience unless you experience it. And, and uh, I think we have talented players there, um, you know, um, uh, in the infield, you know, Cody Milton, who's a uh, – transfer from the University of Maryland uh, two years ago. He just didn't play last year because of the transfer rule. Um, you know, we, we, we think highly of him. Um, uh, we also have a, a, a young man named Logan Keller, uh, a redshirt 
freshman, if you will, transfer from the University of Alabama, who we think is going to be a good player um, at some point um, down the road. He's got a good skill set. Uh, Eddie Diaz, um, very good. I think people are going to like watching him over four years because he does some unique things on defense. Um, very good hands, can turn a double play. He was very quick. Um, again, lacks experience, but I think he's got a chance. Um, Nico Valdez, who was a uh, freshman last year for us, um, and, uh, you know, didn't see much playing time. And of course we didn't have much time, but showed a skill set. So there's, there's some players to go to there. Um, and we're just going to have to figure out over the first couple weeks in the season, you know, first month or so, you know, who the best player is, but, um, you know, I think, I think it's a really good point. That's going to be our, if you looked at a hole or something we have to fill, um, that's it. Um, and like I said, hopefully we weren't asleep at the switch uh, as coaches as far as not knowing this day was eventually going to happen and have some players that can go out there and play. So uh, obviously John and Ward alluded to the pitching history of Navy, uh, going back to Mitch Harris, who made the major leagues with the St. Louis Cardinals, Luke Gillingham, who was with the Toronto Blue Jays farm system for a while. And now Noah Song, who we're all hoping somehow, some way, gets his shot at professional baseball. But uh, you've got a guy on your current pitching staff who's in that mold, Charlie Connolly. He's a hard thrower. He's up there in the mid-90s with his fastball. He's got three pitches. Uh, he's a guy that professional scouts are looking at. He's got that kind of talent. Um, call, kind of talk about what your – he's your ace. He's your uh, number one weekend starter. Kind of talk about Charlie Connolly, Coach. Yeah, Charlie Connolly really emerged last year um, in the shortened season. I mean, his numbers were, were you know, video game numbers. You know, uh, I think he had close to 30 strikeouts and three walks. He had about a 1.4 ERA. Um, and he's just a guy that keeps getting better, you know, and, and no, nothing thrills a coaching staff more than a guy who keeps getting better. And, you know, he had a very good short stint last year. Uh, he, he Even with all the – different interruptions has come back in the fall and put a really good fall and really good preseason together. And as you know, arm strength is hard to teach and, and you know, he's going to sit at anywhere between 92 and 93, but he's touched 95, 96, um, you know, in, in not pitching there consistently, but being able to do that, it's got a good feel for a slider and a change. And, um, you know, uh, he falls into, you know, I'm going to exclude Noah from this statement, but a lot of the guys that have been pretty successful for us and had some uh, next level looks, he falls right in that category. He doesn't take a back seat to any of those people. Uh, he's an exciting guy to watch um, because he does things that you don't always see at, you know, a Naval Academy game. And that's that arm strength and that's that physicality. I mean, he's six foot two you know, 230, you know, and he, he comes right at you. So he's got a lot of ability. And, I, you know, we're going to see some professional people out this year, you know, to see him. Um, and we really need him from a team standpoint to be that number one pitcher that goes up against everyone else's number one pitcher, um, as we have been able to do uh, pretty well for the last few years. We've stacked a no out there. We've put a Lou Gillingham out there. And it really sets the tone for, um, you know, the series. Last one for me before I turn it back over to John to close us out. Offense. Um, you know, we mentioned some of the guys you're losing. We're all key offensive players. Jacob Williamson, Zach Biggers, Michael Kortz, and Evan Lowry are all top-of-the-order guys. Um, 
the one guy who sticks out is Zach Stevens, first baseman. He's a big power hitter, a run producer, uh, had hit great for average last year. But who else can we count on, Coach, here? Uh, Christian Policelli, got a, he only hit 222 last year. Small sample size, but uh, he, I know he's going to have to hit better than that. Um, you mentioned uh, um, Alex Smith is a guy who's a kind of a combo catcher outfielder. Uh, Policelli's a catcher, by the way. Um, Alex Smith, I mean, kind of tell me who you're counting on other than Zach Stevens, who's really the one proven bat coming back. Yeah, you know, that's always, um, you know, that's always kind of the question is, you know, where does your offense come from? And, you know, Stevens is, you know, Stevens, we think he's going to be pretty good. You know, um, got off to a great start last year. Unfortunately, he broke his wrist nine games in. So, you know, we, we didn't even have him for the full 15 games, but really think highly of him. Um, it, you know, as Bill mentioned, a couple of guys, you know, Christian Policelli, I think, is coming on. He's worked hard in the offseason. He's going to be a better hitter. Small sample size. I think he's a better hitter um, and, and he's going to do some good things for us. Alex Smith is going to be. Uh, fine. I think this is where we get into the infielders that we talked about that don't really have it. You know, Logan Keller has the ability to play offense. You know, does, does he learn the game quick enough to be able to really do it? You know, Cody Milton has the ability to play offense. Um, been away from the game for two years, though, you know, due to you know, some transfer stuff. Um, Eddie Diaz has a chance to play offense, believe it or not, even as a young freshman. Um, but that's going to take some time and some experience. Um you know, it, it's it's always hard to score. You guys have all seen games <laughs> at the Bish, as we like to say, and it's hard to score there. You know, it's not easy to score. The ball stays up in the air. Obviously, we play on field turf, and even though the dimensions don't look enormous, they are huge um, as far as the ball carrying there. So, um, it it is it's always tough. We got to win just playing good offensive baseball. Our on-base percentage is, is, is truly important. Our OPS is truly important. Um, you start getting into different things as far as just average and, and you know, certainly home runs are always down. Um, you know, I, I, I marvel at the fact that we finish in the bottom 10 every single year of home runs, you know, um, but that's not what we do. Well, you know, we, we have to play gap to gap. We have to run the bases well. Um, we have to execute, and we do spend an inordinate amount of time trying to do that. So um, I do think we're going to score enough, Bill, to answer your question, um, you know, to, to be a competitive ball club. It may take some time. It may take, it may take a little longer than we want, but I think we're going to get there. Let's, let's get it started with Coppin State on Saturday. Let's sing second, and hopefully there isn't eight inches of snow on the ground. Right. I, one thing I would finish with, and, and thank you guys for doing this, it's been a great connection to people, you know, um, throughout this, this, you know, COVID stuff. But, you know, one of the things that uh, all of us are doing here at the Academy, and, and this is what excites me about getting there every day. Hey, we got to keep putting our best foot forward here. This is going to be a great thing someday in the sense of realizing that we can do things. And, and if we, if we work hard, get things started, um, not afraid to have a setback or two, we can do this thing. And I think it's starting, I'm starting to feel it now at the Academy. I'm starting to feel it. I didn't, you know, the fall was a little bit of put your toe in the water type thing. I'm starting to feel like, Hey, we can get this thing done. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. I'm not saying we're not going to have problems, but we can do this. And I think this is going to be an incredible message to, um, ourselves, number one, but also our midshipmen and everyone around us. And that's why it's so important to me um, 
you know, in the next week, whether we get weather or not, you can't control that. But we play a baseball game, and we can prove we can do this. So I'm excited. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you down the road. You'll see me on Sunday, or Saturday, <laughs> rather, if, uh, if, if there isn't snow on the ground. So uh, wish you all the best of luck, Coach, and thanks again. Um, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, Ward and Wags and I will take us out. The Sing Second Sports Podcast is brought to you by Mills Fine Wine and Spirits and Academy Consulting. If you're interested in sponsoring Sing Second Sports, please drop us a DM at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second on Twitter. Now back to the pod. What great conversations. And you know what? I'm going to throw it right to you, Ward, um, immediately. You and I always have this like romantic moment at the end of the interview. A, a talking point is used or a soundbite is used or just someone being completely um, genuine about their experience at the Naval Academy and just reinforces to us the how special the Naval Academy is. Your takeaways from the interviews and what you're looking forward to um, in what will be an action-packed day with you and me and WAGS all together on Saturday. Coach Costi just framed it perfectly, as you just alluded to, and it does do our hearts good to hear coaches, leaders, mids frame things in that way. And I think he was dead on correct. The lessons learned during this very challenging year, which is basically the history of the Sing Second podcast, um, is this of resilience and keeping your best foot forward and keep going, keep going against all odds, keep going against the body blows, just persevere. And this will make better naval officers, better citizens, better people. And, And we've seen it. We, we, don't, we don't need to say a word. It just emerges during the courses of our conversations here. Um, so I thought that was fantastic. In terms of Saturday, very much looking forward to the NSTAR game on the women's basketball front. Look forward to more great action from the women's lacrosse team. And then I'm very much looking forward to uh, Navy lacrosse home opener because Joe Ampelow has been a friend of the show. And, you know, he's got hopes and dreams. And so we want to see it put into play here on Saturday. Yeah, action-packed day for us Saturday. Um, I'll go over the whole schedule here in a minute, but for us, for our loyal followers, uh, 11 a.m., the women's basketball team versus Army uh, from Alumni Hall. Stick with us. We will bring you all the action from that 2 p.m. out at Tur Willigerfield as baseball takes on Coppin State. Men's Lax against the Mount at 3 p.m., uh, and then men's lacks against the mounts at six. That will be a chilly one as the sun goes down at 6 p.m. So we'll have to layer up. And then obviously on Sunday, another uh, women's basketball game against Army and men's basketball at American back from the break. Talk to me, Wags. Like, uh, which one are you the most excited about just as a fan? I mean, I know you're a great journalist, but talk to me as a fan for a second. Well, all of them excite me, John. Obviously, uh, this is a unique time when we've got fall sports, winter sports, and spring sports going on simultaneously. And frankly, it's a journalist nightmare because we can't cover it all. That's just a simple fact. We can't. And uh, we don't have room in the paper to run all the stories if we did cover it all. So we're going to have to make choices, and they're going to be tough choices. And this is going to be going on now for the next few months. We have so many 
sports going on simultaneously and we're going to have to pick and choose our spots. Um, you know, in, in normal times during this, the, the basketball and lacrosse would get precedence, but we've got to try to give the other sports that are coming back soccer, you know, women's and men's soccer will be re resuming soon. I just saw that Navy men's soccer is picked second in the Patriot league and has a couple all Patriot league picks in Matt Nochita, the defender and Jacob Williamson, who's a talented midfielder from old mill. He, he, well, he's a Millersville resident. I don't know if he went to old mill, but uh, you know, a lot going on. Here's what I'm doing Saturday. Women's basketball. That's the most important event. It's army Navy. Somebody's going to sing second and the star is going to be awarded. So got to be on that one. N next to me is men's across. It's the season opener. We always like to be there for the season opener. I was there Saturday with Ward for women's lacrosse season opener. Um, I'm going to, I'm probably not going to go to the women's lacrosse game. Uh, I'm going to take a break in between Army Navy basketball and men's lacrosse. Uh, we'll write up a report on the women's lacrosse game, but we just covered Navy women's lacrosse uh, and we will do so many times for the rest of the season. Uh, I'm going to hold off on baseball for a little bit. Uh, let the weather warm up. And, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is none of Navy's non-conference games are all that exciting. Um, Navy normally would have uh, put several notable non-conference uh, opponents on the schedule. And Coach Costi mentioned Penn State and Maryland, but they're both in the Big Ten and they will not play non-Big Ten opponents. So those games are off. So unfortunately, he's had to fill the non-conference schedule with local schools that, you know, frankly, are not that strong. Towson, Coppin State, uh, not real strong baseball programs. So uh, boy, I'll wait to see uh, Navy play Lehigh, which uh, Coach Costi said is probably one of the best teams in, in the Patriot League. They have two pitchers that are considered major league prospects. So we'll hold off on baseball and then basketball. Uh, this weekend's doubleheader at American for Navy men's basketball is important. That's a South Division doubleheader. And and uh, we're getting down to the wire where Patriot League seating is being determined. Right now, I saw Scott Strassmeyer's latest updated standings. Navy has fallen to second seed in the Patriot League, and it's by percentage points. Colgate is 9-1. and one. Navy is 8-1 and one within the Patriot League. So Colgate gets a slight percentage point edge and now currently holds the top seed. Navy is number two. But this, this two games against South Division opponent, American at American on Saturday and Sunday are important, John. I'm really looking forward to watching Navy baseball against Coppin State at 2 p.m. So going right from the women's basketball game versus Army to the baseball game uh, at 2 p.m. And then uh, and then Prince Lax game against uh, the Mount at 6 p.m. Um, but obviously, good luck to all of our sports that includes sailing on Sunday uh, men's gymnastics in the meet versus William and Mary. And then obviously, as you said, men's basketball doubleheader against American. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to uh, Coach Colat, Coach Costi. Please wear a mask. Please be nice to each other. And please root for Navy sports. This is John Schofield for Ward Carroll, Bill Wagner, and Chris Cervello. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play -play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show 
and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.